Carson Wentz is now on the Colts, and MLB pitchers and catchers are reporting for spring training, and we bring on a big-time Boston Red Sox fan. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with... Mr. Brown. And Canadian Big. Ah, uh, and guys, it is a winter wonderland out there. And I feel like, you know, maybe in West by God, Virginia, we're kind of used to this a little bit. But uh, have you seen the uh, happenings in Texas? It's a uh, polar vortex, which they have not seen in like 67 years. No, they haven't seen it since Leon Lett. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I don't know why that dawned on me today, but we put that on social media and uh, I can hear that because I can just hear, I can't remember the commentator just going, oh no, Leon Lett, like such disdain. That was uh, a blocked field goal, game over Dallas would have won, all he had to do was not touch it, right? Yeah, it's dead ball because the Dolphins can't advance it because it was blocked and it went forward. So yeah, as soon as he touched it, it was a live ball. I remember (laughs) watching that game. Snow Angels, good thing there's a hole in the roof so God could watch America's team. That's what the saying was. Yep. Uh, they're not saying that much now. You know, I, it's I, either way, I know I, I remember doing the show to where sometimes in the background you could hear like the locust and the cicadas because it was warm and we'd have the man cave door open here. I miss that so bad. Those right were now. the days, man. I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking about that earlier. I sat down. I was just like, where's the noise of the bugs in the background? So I'm not one of those people that's like just depressed the whole wintertime because like, I'm busy during December because of my line of business. Right. Um, so I, I get through Christmas. I'm good. All of January, we got uh, playoff football. I'm good. All the way up to the Super Bowl, I'm good. But then from the Super Bowl, basically Groundhog's Day to when spring training officially starts, I am about ready to go crazy. And then when you add the fact we haven't seen the sun in three damn weeks, <laughs> and that's the truth. It is. Um, it's just, it just gloomy. And that's, that's the depressing part of it. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. No. no. And you're right, though. As far as sports, which is what we talk about on here, it's a dead period right now. Like, it really is. And as much as... I think all of us individually love playing basketball and we love college basketball. Like the NBA is not doing anything for us right now. Not, like, at all. not you, for me. Are you watching very much, if at all? I'm a big yes. I pay attention to all the Bulls games. Because uh, you're a true fan. That, I'll give you that. Uh, I do love watching Steph Curry play. And I've been watching the Nets when they've been healthy, but uh, Kyrie and KD have been out lately. But, I mean, I don't watch the league as a whole, but I do watch every Bulls game. I mean, if you want a how-to not play defense video, they got that on YouTube. You don't have to wait for the Nets game. No. <laughs> you know, when they get a big man in there, it'll all be different. They gonna I'm, get Drummond? Sure. Who are they going to get? They're going to get Drummond. Uh, I, I guess. I don't know. I, if you ask Cleveland fans, they're not going to be too upset to see him go. Just saying. He's just waiting around now. He's not going to play till they trade him or buy him out. Yeah, I know. I mean, why why risk the asset? You got to keep it healthy. Yep. You know, saw a weird stat. Speaking of guys who are sitting right now until they get can trade him like Drummond, Blake Griffin's another one. He's out until the Pistons can find a place to trade him, which they've been trying for a while. Nobody wants him. <laughs> so Blake Griffin, like Dr. Duncan Stein, jumping over cars in a dunk contest. You know, he hasn't dunked in a game in almost three years. I mean, he's old now. 
He's old. That's just weird. He's old and broke down. It is what it is. Wow. Kardashian uh, curse. I, I don't really want to talk a lot about NBA. We got we got fun stuff talking about. We got a guest coming on later that's a, a big time Red Sox fan. And, you know, he's actually got a little bit of a history when it comes to being uh, in baseball. And, and you know what? Pitchers and catchers have uh, reported. It's hard to get too excited about that because nothing's happening yet. But. That means that at least baseball's right around the corner. It is nice seeing the photos of the guys uh, in uniform stretching. And, and uh, as a Braves fan, I got really excited because Soroka was thrown off the mound already today, day one. <laughs> you know what? You should be excited about that. That's a good sign. And you know what? We were we were prepping for the show, and one thing we didn't talk about was a, a big signing that happened yesterday. We got to talk about that contract that Tatis oh got. Oh, my gosh. Forgot all about that. But uh, before we get into to that stuff, so we got him coming on. We're, we got a fun little pop culture segment. We're going to hit you at the end because it's the 25th anniversary, something that's very near and near for us. But real quick on the NBA, so I did see they are officially having the All-Star game, and David Silver came out, or Adam Silver came out and said, David Silver. He's a combination of both commissioners. He came out and said it that. He kind of looks like a robot. I think does, that's what Adam Silver does. is. Like, you, you've yeah. seen that iRobot movie from yeah. Will Smith. Like, it's just that with glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the uh, little creature from Lord of the Rings. Uh, it looks like that too. Yeah. <laughs> so the the statement Silver had was, "It's our duty to have this game. That it's important globally, and a lot of the players could care less. They don't want this game at all." My my whole thing is the All Star Game's been shit forever. Like I I could care less. The only reason they're doing it is because of the TV revenue they can get out of it. Puts money back into the owners' pockets that they're losing by not having fans in the stands. Mm, I guess. Are you going to watch the All Star Game? No, I tell you what, I'll watch a three point shootout because I enjoy that. But I haven't cared about the all star game for a number of years. And it's like, not even like East, 15 West. years, it's, right? You know, Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, and uh, they change up the rules. It's not a game anymore. You know, last time I liked the all star game when Jordan played his last all star game, it was competitive down to the buzz early 2000s. After yep. that, it's like these guys actually cared about if they won or lost. Yeah, it was you a know. pride factor. All right, so enough NBA garbage talk. We don't need to go there. One thing I wanted to go to real quick because I know we've talked a lot of NFL over the past few weeks, obviously with Super Bowl and whatnot, but I saw where they raised the cap, I guess, to 180 million. Uh, does that really change much? I saw that today. But these teams are still, like, underwater, right? Well, yeah, because the cap lowered from what it was projected to be. It's still not close to where it was. Pre-COVID, the cap had went up for, like, seven or eight straight years since collective bargaining agreement, what, 2011, Right, because it's all about revenue. Yeah, so this is the first year it hasn't increased. So it doesn't – it makes a little difference, but not a whole lot. (laughs) So – Outside of cap maneuvering, we did have a blockbuster trade. I guess you could say blockbuster. It's a big deal, and you called it biggie. So what happened? Carson Wentz going to play for Frank Wright. That's where he had his his best time in Philly in 2017 was when Frank Wright was their offensive coordinator, and he's really comfortable with Frank Wright because they're both they share a like deep spiritual bond, and him <laughs> and I'm, That's you romantic. can poop on it, but. Him and Doug Peterson were just opposite people. So I think he's got a good chance. If he's going to rebound anywhere, it'll be in Philly. So you're high, you're high on the deal for Wentz. Oh, yeah. So with that being said, I know Peterson's out of Philly. Who did Philly hire as their head coach? Nick uh, Schackemeyer. Where did he come from? Uh, he was like somebody's backup quarterback coach. For the Colts, right? So my, my question is, like, if you're Philly, if you brought him over because you were hoping you were getting some of that Frank Reich magic to, yep. to kind of spill over, like, 
You can't even be happy at all now with that hire. I don't know what Philly's doing, to be honest with you. You went from Super Bowl champs and you had a good, talented roster. Now, all of a sudden, a couple years later, your franchise QB is gone. Your head coach is gone. Uh, most of your star players on defense gone. Ertz is gone. I, I don't know what's going on in Philly. It just like you said, why'd you bring him over if you're still trading Wentz? It just nothing they're doing makes sense. Uh, it's it's a dumpster fire, but that's what Philly has become is a dumpster fire. And I was holding out hope that you were going to get Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen in the trade just so you could see Foles and uh, Wentz be traded for each other, but it didn't happen. Not to be. As you know, I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan from Bismarck. Watched him play. The bone hammer picked him off. We enjoy talking about that. This couldn't have been a better landing spot for him. Best offensive line in the league going back to Frank Wright. If he doesn't return to like top 10, 12 QB status in the next next year, then. All right, so give me a prediction. Yards, touchdowns, interceptions next year. I'd say 30, 32 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. How many picks? Uh 14 to 16. Okay, that's a little high, but that's it's still a pretty solid year. He takes too many chances. Okay, so I, all right, I, I appreciate that you're romanticizing about the return of Carson Wentz to yesteryear and that he's going to bounce back. We'll, we'll see if it happens. I know about the Colts' offensive line, but I just feel like Wentz is damaged goods, Mr. Brown. I agree with you 100%. I, he's right, just you. trash. He earned the nickname <laughs> Mr. Glass for a reason. Yep. That's it. Now, now we just got to change the, the jersey. All right, last little thing on the NFL, J.J. Watt is a free agent. The, the Texans continue just to uh, dismember themselves. And nobody's signed J.J. Watt yet, right? They haven't, and he's but he's going to Pittsburgh, right? Or Green Bay? Mm, I, I don't see him passing up the opportunity to play with these uh, Bubby. Yeah, that would be what I think too. Go to Pittsburgh, play for a little less money, play with your brother. But Green Bay would be the other spot because he's from Wisconsin, and they have a chance to win a title. So is it one or the other? That's Everybody else think. out of the running? I heard uh, DeAndre Hopkins trying to recruit recruit him to Arizona. Well, yeah, he played with him, so you know they got a connection there. I mean, but what? What's his talent level at this point? What kind of production are you getting from at this age, J.J. Watt, who can't stay on the field? What are you getting, really? I mean, not much. He did play all 16 games last year. I I saw that after they released him because the same thing ran through my head. When's he even play a full season This was the first in like three years he had done that. It blew my mind. But is he still a top-level defensive lineman? I don't think so. I think he's good, but he's not great. 70% of J.J. Watt's still a uh, Pro Bowl player, just not an all-pro. Maybe. I mean, you're probably fringe. Maybe you're right there on that cusp of it. But maybe if he goes to a team like Pittsburgh that has a good defensive scheme, but I don't know how he'd fit with that scheme. But uh, I don't know. You're going to have a little more fire burning if you feel like you're going to the playoffs as opposed to a team that's going nowhere fast. (laughs) I mean, you're going to get your competitive juices flowing. So maybe this is a resurgence. We'll see. I don't know. I will say this. Everyone's crapping on Houston. Another bad decision so forth with everything they've done. Nick Casario's down there as their GM. He came from the Patriots. I really like what they did here. One of the greatest players in the history of your franchise. His career is coming to an end. He asks you for a release because you have no shot at a playoff or a title run. You give it to him. He gave you everything he had. Give him something. Yeah, if I'm a Texans fan, I'm like, you couldn't have at least got a third round pick. Yeah, like come on. Like that's just, but that's that's well, the Texans that's thing the reason to do. That they released him. That's what he asked for, so he could pick his own team. Uh, they I mean, did they, right by the. They could have worked with him. I'm just saying. That sucks if you're Houston. Once again, you fail to get anything worth value in that exchange. It's just a mess. 
Uh, that's all right. We got a little bit of time before we can talk about NFL again. It's a quiet period. We'll get closer to the draft. And the last thing I want to say on NFL, I did see a bunch of scouts are saying that that boy out in, uh, was it BYU? Zach Wilson. That they're, uh, rank, a lot of teams are ranking him higher than Trevor Lawrence right now. It doesn't surprise me. He can flat out play. If so. he were on a different team with the same skill set as he played for BYU, he'd be right up there the entire season. You'd have been talking about him. He's going to be the next Todd Detmer, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what do you even say to that? <laughs> He's from BYU. All right, so like we said, we're going to talk some baseball here in a minute with the guests. But before we get to that, we had some fun on social media. And, and to be honest with you, like we hate Facebook. They suck. They're doing everything they can to like dock us from uh, sharing our information out right now because we – posted an offensive meme once upon a time so we found little ways to try to interact with people and mr brown you had a couple things that did really well so what, what was the questions that you threw out there i was a couple baseball ones um started out in the baseball group the first one was the uh, basically i listed like it ended up being like first it started out 15 hitters that i thought but it was who's the goat hitter of all time basically right. who's the best and hitter? i compared it from all generations from way back when to the dead ball area era to the modern era but it started with 15 hitters, and I said, if you felt like someone's left off, I'll simply add them. So you were, you were listening to the people. Right. Every Let time they threw them. somebody out there, you threw them on there. Well, there was a few. There was like, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it ranged from Josh Gibson in the Negro Leagues. Uh, it had Babe Ruth, obviously Ty Cobb. From the dead ball era, you had Ted Williams, people like Griffey, Bonds. Mike Trout was thrown on there based on what he's done already. Sure. So we just basically tallied the votes with the people's votes to see who's the goat. And we have, we, we got the top five. All right. So let's start with pitchers because there is a pitcher that we frequent quite often. And even last night we did some decorating here in the man cave with this individual's picture. Right. So what, what did, what did we hang up last night? Well, we hung up uh, Nolan Ryan beating the shot of Ventura. <laughs> and I, you know what I told Mr. Brown? I was like, oh, I didn't know Pudge was the catcher. <laughs> of all things, I didn't realize that. So Nolan Ryan, the the folk hero, the Paul Bunyan of baseball, as we we like to refer to him, as he he walked away with this one, right? Oh yeah, he, like, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't really close. Right. And do you think he's the best pitcher? Uh, not at all. No, no. He just like the Paul Bunyan. It's just the status. Go right? go ahead and give him the top five for the pitchers. So after Ryan, we went Greg Maddox, Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and the big unit Randy Johnson. So. I appreciate the Maddox love, obviously. I feel like Maddox is probably the best pitcher in the history of the game to do more with, with less. With less arm strength and just, talent. Just, he had the location and the knowledge. But yeah. like, if it were me picking, I would probably go uh, Bob Gibson uh, or Randy Johnson maybe. Uh, that's, and then Tom Seaver's up there for me. Yeah. I don't, I'm surprised Tom Seaver went in the top five. Yeah. So, to me, uh, I wouldn't even have Nolan Ryan in the top five. I agree. Um, but I, you could argue that Maddox is in the top five. I mean, that's not far fetched. Yeah, I mean Maddox for a. I mean, how many Cy Youngs? What was it like four? Was yeah, yes. yeah, and like he exactly. pitched in a era that had a lot of good pitchers, the, the Juicing era too. Yeah, so were he See, pitching the steroid era? So he's even better because of that. I'd have to agree with Nolan Ryan. He's a mythical fi figure as far as how we remember him. To me, he's the Chuck Norris of baseball. He is. Uh, <laughs> I would go with Randy Johnson, and that's a personal bias, big-time Mariners. Just because he exploded a bird once. He brought such uh, intensity, intimidation to the mound, on top of being a great pitcher. 
I think the greatest pitcher in the history of the game is Greg Maddox because what you said, he did more with less. Pitching, what is the goal of pitching? Get outs, right? It doesn't matter if you're blowing it by guys. How do you get guys out? When's the last time we saw like a complete game where they had 85, 90 pitches thrown? Do you think we'll ever see that again? Guys throw that in six innings now. Right, and that one, that one complete game he had was 76 pitches. Yeah. I guarantee you there's a lot of guys that have heat, that have the arm, that look at a guy like Maddox and be like, damn, I wish I could do what he does. Yep. Well, but in today's game, Maddox wouldn't even get looked at. That's right. where we're at with analytics. Like, right. if you're not throwing uh, 98 till, uh, till you come out of the game as a starter, they're not even looking at you. Maddox, he would be a long reliever in today's game because they wouldn't even give him a shot. Yeah, which is it's just sad how we overvalue you analytics had to make sometimes. a uh, – on the spot comparison to who he would be in 2020 MLB. Is there somebody that pops out to you that that's who they would look at Greg Maddox at God, in 2020 as opposed to 1990? Well, no, because no one really throws 85. I was going to say, <laughs> unless yeah. it's a guy who comes in in the sixth, seventh inning to get you two or three outs as a specialist. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can't think of anybody. I mean, you'd almost have to compare him to a knuckleballer now, you know, which those don't even exist hardly. In Maddox's heyday, he would hit 90-91, and that was like top top speed. Right. And then towards the end, it was mid mid to high 80s or, you know – yeah, and, a lot and, of, and you know he might have been able to go a little harder if he really tried, but that wasn't his to. game. You know, so like I'm I'm fine with the top five list, with the exception of Nolan Ryan. Okay. The other four on there absolutely deserve to be in the top five, in my opinion. So Nolan Ryan, number one in our hearts, just yeah. not in skill. I love Nolan. I mean, you you got to love that. Like guy. that's all we're saying. You know, so all right, we I, I I'm pretty much with you there, and you know I, I think when you go over to hitters, you know that that's a little different conversation. Uh, I I feel like. I feel like they did pretty good with this one, but I'm curious. Oh, before we get to the hitters, real quick, I meant to throw this out there. I did appreciate the love that Cy Young and uh, Walter Johnson got. Um, story real quick about Walter Johnson. He was called the Big Train, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he threw the heat back in the day. Right, so they, they called him the Big Train because – he threw in the uh, low, like back then everybody probably threw like low 80s. Yeah, and he like, was in the 90s. He was in the low 90s. So he was a good 10 miles an hour faster than the average pitcher. So when it, they felt like when the ball was coming out of his hand, it made a different sound than everybody else. And that's how he got his nickname. But he was a big guy. I think he was around 6'3. Yeah. Um, so he got some love. And then Cy Young obviously got the love with the 511 win. So they didn't crap all over the old guys. And I felt I thought that was kind of cool. Nah, I mean respect the history, man. Right. And it's so hard to compare across that far, but and especially uh, after we got to see Size Memorial this we summer. We did last summer. So that know? was cool. We we got to go to his hometown. I appreciate the history, and so that they showed up for that, and I like that. All right. So so speaking of history, your your history is chock full on the hitter side of it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give you guys the top five, and and you can tell me where you disagree. Ted Williams wins. Uh, how how big was the margin? Do you know? It was about uh, 60 votes. All right, so it was relatively close. Nothing crazy. So you got Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Pete Rose, and Willie Mays. And the question you phrased was best hitter or the goat hitter, right? The goat, yeah. Okay, so how do you feel about that? It don't mean power hitter. Just feel like the guy you thought was the best overall hitter. All right. And to me, I think it's clearly, and I've said it all along, it's Ted Williams because he was the best combination of power and hitting for average. Joey Votto still studied the guy's book, book, and he's been dead for decades. So Votto studied his uh, art of hitting, Ted Williams, and the philosophy still rings true today. So not, base not, percentage not adding anything, I 100% agree. Ted Williams is number one. I can tell you who don't belong on this list. 
so Hank Aaron's number two. Does he belong? Of course. All right. The same guy that don't belong in the hall. Don't belong on this list. Is it Pete Rose? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Pete Rose, um, not the highest average, just played a long time. Just slap hitter, man. Was it, yeah, I mean. Got on base. Yeah. Got on base. I mean, not not bad. I mean, great player. Deserves stats-wise to be in the Hall of Fame. But when you talk about just an overall great hitter, like, you know, I, I would say, you know, Tony Gwynn might be better than, than Pete Rose. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds on, would be man. better than Pete Bonds Rose. Bonds has got to be in the top five. I don't, um, we're not talking about steroids. We're just talking about pure on-field production. Right. Barry Bonds should be number one. I mean, I, if, you, if you're putting him up there like that. I mean, like, if someone put him over Ted Williams, I'd be fine. But, like, obviously I'm partial to Ted. But if someone said Barry, I'd be fine with that too. Um, so, Barry should at least be number two. So, uh, Willie Mays, you okay with him on there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Willie, I think Willie. Hank and the, the question's always been until Hank just passed that was who was the best living Hall of Famer left, and it was uh, people would go Hank, people would go Willie. So I mean, those two kind of neck and neck. Well, the the thing, the stat that I know we've thrown out there before about Hank Williams is if you took away all his home runs, he'd still have three thousand hits, and that's that's astonishing. Yeah, so he's not just the home run king and the power hitter. I love country too. Uh, Hank Aaron to me is the greatest living player was the greatest living player. Yeah, I think sucks. the reason still, that still saying that uh, Willie got maybe the love for being Willie was a better, you remember all his, what he did in center field where you remember Hank is more just a pure hitter. And I think that's maybe why sometimes he would get the edge as being the greatest living player to me. Right. It's Hank Aaron. I'm biased too. I agree. It's Hank. I think that I, I have, Ted Williams and Hank Aaron as two greatest hitters of all time. One A and one B. Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree with that. It pains me to say it, but I'd put Bonds ahead of Hank. Mm. And, and it's because I've seen Bonds. I, yeah, I, I think the only reason why I wouldn't is because Bonds was so home run dependent later in his career, and when you're, the question is just hitter. Now, I think we've had this conversation before. Who's the most feared hitter you've ever seen in your life? And it's always Bonds. Yeah. So, it just depends on how I mean, Hank was an over 300 career hitter. I'm, I don't know what Bonds' career average was. I'd have to look it I'm up. I'm sure he was over 300. I know he's got a higher OBS. I so. mean, I love Hank, though. Like, to me, Hank's the man. He's the home run king in my book. Got to see him in Atlanta t- two years ago on opening day. It's awesome. He was riding around in the li- – or not limo, the uh, convertible in the back, waving at the crowd. I was probably – 40 feet from the man. So, I mean, that's a memory I'm never going to forget. Forget. All right, so anybody other than Bonds that you would want to see in the top five, you feel pretty good with it? I mean, obviously, if Griffey didn't get hurt, you could argue for that, but he just fell off when he got to Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, he was on a, a this path to be the man. I mean, he, he was. That's where I always end up arguing with people because if you look at Griffey from 91 to 2000, he's the best player in the game. If he doesn't get injured – he goes down as maybe the greatest player to ever play. And uh, people talk about Barry Bonds being the greatest hitter. But if you go to look at Griffey's numbers from that pre-injury era, right there. No, he blew, he kind of blew Bonds out there before yeah. Bonds took, like, his head grew. <laughs> you know, that's the story, right? Didn't Bonds go to Florida and tell him, is like, we should be the guys leading every year in home runs, not McGuire and Sosa. And Griffey's like, I'm, I'm fine, man. You yeah. do you. I'll right. do me. Maybe Griffey would still be playing if he was on the juice. You think of all the home runs that McGuire <laughs> yeah. hit in the 90s, especially the late 90s when he was juicing, Griffey still hit more home runs than he did from 
you know, his first big year, 9 to 1 to 2000. Sweetest, sweetest swing in baseball, baby. That's what it's all about. I mean, so, like, the only other person other than Griffey that take, if you take Pete off, like we said, you could say, like, uh, um, Tony Gwynn. Yeah, you you say, could you could say in each row if you wanted to com, uh, combine the Japan stats. Yeah. If you're gonna put uh, Pete Rose in there, then you can put each row in there because each row could hit for power. He just never did. His job was to lead off, get on base, so he'd slap hit it. Uh, Tony Gwynn to me is the guy that we haven't talked about who we all love as a hitter, and maybe he gets forgotten just a little bit because he does have such a good average, but he didn't have the power to go with it. And the guys we've been discussing had both. Yeah. So I mean, Gwynn was hitting 19, 20, 21 home runs a year, but. Never struck out. No, no. I, I, I want to wrap up with this because we got to move on. Uh, if you've never seen the video of Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn sitting down, it is it is amazing. And they look at each other with such reverence and became lifelong fan, friends. And and if you if you don't believe me, go look at when they had the All Star game in Boston and look who's at the on the mound with him. Look who's helping him out of the golf cart. Who's there with him the whole time? It's Tony freaking Gwynn. And it's because they just, whenever he almost got 400 and the strike season happened, they bonded over that. So Ted looked at him with such admiration all these years afterwards. And I just thought that was a beautiful thing. Like, where do you get that at in other sports? I agree with you. So, hey, and I know we got to wrap it up. I'm sorry, but like, when will the next time we see a 400 hitter? Will it happen again? Never, 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 never. Uh, was, that, was it 1941? Uh, I next think. Next time you see somebody still 100 bases in a year. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's like that. 41, right? It was 1941 something like yeah. that? Well, like he he had, he could have sat out and got the crown. He says absolutely not. I'm going in. He played in the doubleheader the last game of the yeah. season. And he went four for six. Yep. And he kept his he put his average over to 406 at the end of the year. He was hitting 401 going into that doubleheader. That's yeah. why they said you can sit. You you got enough abs. And he plays the doubleheader and goes. Four, six, five, for I mean, whatever. That's crazy. That's just he is like the John Wayne of baseball, right there. Is Ted there Williams. There you go. So Imagine we got what Paul is. Bunyan and Nolan Ryan and John Wayne. The man got shot down in a freaking airplane in the military, and he safely landed the thing, and then went back up. And you're not supposed to go back up, and he still went back. And then up. he comes back and still dominates the game. Just think of where his numbers would be if he didn't lose years being one of the great fire, yeah, fighter pilots of I, World War Two. It, it would. Put him ahead of Aaron in the conversation, I think, because then he'd have the longevity that Aaron had. He and, missed and his then, prime years. Yeah. And, like, I, I remember as a young kid, my grandpa telling me about Ted, and, uh, like, I appreciate the stories now more than I'm older, but my grandpa would say, this this guy's the best hitter I've ever seen, and it wasn't close. Like, there was nobody like Ted, and everyone knew it. All right, youngsters, so get on Baseball Reference. Go look up Ted Williams' stats. Click on some YouTube articles and find the thing where he's sitting down with Tony Gwynn. John Wayne, the Duke, Ted Williams, baby. What is up? We don't know Sports Nation. Now is the time that we ask fans all across the world to take off the filter, rip off the Band-Aid, and tell everyone exactly what is on their mind. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for No Filter. back once again as you heard in the music this is the no filter segment and all the way from wonderful boise idaho 
We got our boy Bo Payne coming on. He's a diehard New England area sports fan. He's got a ton to talk about and get off his chest, but we just want to say, Bo, welcome to the show. How's it going, brother? Going great, fellas. Thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I thought we might have had a Yankee fan on to, to you know, go head-to-head with, but uh, I guess it's been a long, long time since they had something to talk about, so we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I, hey, they, I can't help it. They chicken shit it out, man. It is what it is. Yeah, but uh, for know, those, hey. those not watching the video, they might be able to see uh, later on YouTube, but those on the podcast, so you you got the, the Red Sox cap on and do I see a, a a couple jerseys hanging behind you? Yeah, what, what are you let rocking me show with? you. I got a, I got a. Well, I got a Junior Seau because I just did. Nice. Love, love the man so much. Um, my, like I said, my my office here's got ugly uh, wallpaper, so I <laughs> try to cover it up. I've got a Corey Blunt here. A Corey Blunt, excuse me, Laguerre Blunt, um, who was a bad man with the Pats, and that's one of my favorite. And I got my Gronk jersey up there. I've got a, not a huge collector, but these are just a few guys that I really really admire man so real quick on this um, wallpaper though is that plaid and then floral at the same time is that what's happening here i don't even want to answer that man it's, <laughs> it's just it's, that's just called the ugliest shit <laughs> <laughs> not everybody can be in the man cave like us we understand <laughs> yeah i'm impressed man i'm well, impressed you're so, invited I, I anytime little, yeah. anytime you make it out to the east coast thank you, know? you man i see the let's go west virginia and it reminds me of uh old bobby bowden days Kind yeah. of the old, the old, old, old throwback. School. Not That's everybody cool. remembers Bobby Bowden in West Virginia. They just well, know Florida State. I, yeah, I wasn't alive back then, but I mean, <laughs> I, I know the history. <laughs> I appreciate so, yeah. that. So, hey, man, we're we're turning the corner on winter. Like we got snow on the ground. It sucks right now, and yeah. you know we we can't wait for spring training to get started. We know pitchers and catchers oh. reported. Um, reported today. Yeah, reported today, and, and like mm-hmm. that's that's the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. So, as a Red Sox fan, you, you guys are in a weird spot right now. So, tell me kind of what's going through your yeah. mind when you're looking forward to 2021, and, and where's your level of excitement for baseball right now? My level for my my excitement for baseball is off the chains. It always is, especially when the you know when the snow starts melting. It's it's kind of like hope springs eternal, man. I mean, it's just like baseball's back. The sun's the sun's almost here. You know, I, it brings me back to my playing days. Um, as far as the Sox go, I'm, um, I'm not I'm not going to lie to y'all and say we're going to win 95 games and win the East. I mean, that's absurd. We're rebuilding. Um, but we've got a lot of question marks, man. Sales coming off. Uh, Tommy John, uh, Rod, E-Rod, Eduardo Rodriguez opted out last year. Um, you know, Nate Evaldi's got some, uh, you know, he's had two, two Tom, Tommy John surgeries. But the guy's got lightning stuff, you know, high 90s fastball with just a six slider. Uh, we saw what he did in the 18 World Series against the Dodgers. So we've got question marks. So what are we going to do at center with Jackie? We're going to re-sign him or let him go. Um, so it's going to be – this is a year where I want a lot of questions answered. Um, address the bullpen, the starting rotation. Um, and by opening day 2022, I want to be ready to compete for ALE's crowns and World Series titles. Um like I was telling y'all, uh, 2018 was an all-time great season. We had Mookie, arguably two or three best in you know in the game. Uh, we won 108 games, ran through the Yanks, ran through the Strohs and the Dodgers. Uh, but in the process, Dombrowski emptied it all, emptied the tank. So we're rebuilding, and uh, I would like to be 500 this year, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe a few more, a little bit over that. But my expectations are not through the roof. Uh, we're trying to get some questions answered. 
where we're going to splash some money next year and uh, be ready to roll come opening day 22. So that's kind of how I. All right. I so you, you say you'd like to be 500. So I actually looked this up. The Vegas prognostications out there for each team, you know, they have this. And, and the Red Sox, they actually predict them to be at 85 wins. So do you take the over or under there? I'm going to take the under. And I'm going to get killed by Sox Nation, You're I guess. You're a realist. I get it. But I'm a realist, and I and I know the game, and I know bouncing back from injuries is not just, oh, well, Chris Sale's going to come back throwing 98, and, and like, and he's going to win 20, you know, or, or I mean, I just not in a perfect world, but there, that the perfect world doesn't exist. So I'm going to take the. Take the well. I, 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 I would take the under as well. Yeah, I'm going under by a couple games, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm on the under train on that one. All right, so so let's go to the AL East here. So I, I, yeah. I know this might pain you a little bit, but like the Yankees are walking <laughs> away with this, right? Like I, I think it's hard to argue. Yeah, no, I won't argue that. They, uh, you want me to talk a little bit about my feelings on that? I mean, so, so I want you to go into that a little bit, and then Tampa kind of, you know, they're always like that sleepy good team, but they had some changes, and then Tor- this is the year Tampa falls off. That's what we're they, thinking. They let Morton go. Snell's gone. I mean, unless something crazy yeah. happens, Tampa, they, they keep getting 90 wins. I don't know how many years in a row. They're lucky good. I don't think Tampa even hits a wild card. All right, so, so we want to hear about Tampa, and we want to hear about okay. – I want to yeah. hear about Toronto a little bit too, but I, I could care less about Baltimore. I could see Toronto getting a wild card. Yeah, let's leave Baltimore out of it. I don't yeah. even – I didn't even know they had a team there anymore. Wait, well, I will save a Baltimore <laughs> question for the end, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're not the 70 70- – 71 O's with 420 game winners anymore. <laughs> but uh, I will, I mean, I'll start with the Yanks, man. I mean, um, I can't stand them, obviously. I mean, that's just a birthright. You know, you Sox fan born into it, you can't stand them. But one thing I do is I I respect their team. How can you not? I mean, um, they're adorned in championships, even though, like I said, they're from another century. They're always competing. They got studs everywhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't argue – uh, I think that they made huge mistakes in giving, you know, taking on some of these contracts with Stanton. Uh, Judge is up soon for a big deal. And those guys are always hurt. They look like right. yep. tight ends and, and middle linebackers. And and baseball is is a sport where muscle, you know, it, it's important, but it's important to keep that elasticity and, and, and fluidness about you. And um, when you're lifting weights all the time and squatting 800 pounds or whatever those guys do, you're going to get hurt. So and those guys are on the like DL David every Wells year, then, right? Boomer, you talking about David Wells? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking beer and throwing perfectos the same yeah, same that, night. They just need to change <laughs> their body impressive. image to Where, that a little bit. Yeah, and he got. He, remember, he wore the Babe Ruth cap and <laughs> Major oh, yeah, League Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that off. But he's he's he he was a great Blue Jay. He had nasty stuff though. Mid nineties from the left side with a curveball, Uncle Charlie off the table. So, you know he could he could throw, man. But the Yanks, uh, they're going to win the East. You guys are right, no doubt. Um, Sanchez, I don't care for that dude, man. He he's he's not even above the Mendoza line every year. I don't know why they, you know, and he stinks behind the dish. He's lazy behind the dish. His mechanics. He's got a cannon, and he'll hit a five hundred foot homer once in you know once in a blue moon, but. But I don't care for the way he really plays a game, to be honest with you. And, I don't but think but he's still, from head to toe, the Yanks, uh, if they, yeah. I think he's, I think they got a short Say leash. Say that again, on, Greg. I think they got a short leash on him because he didn't do nothing this uh, 60 game season. Yeah. And 
He he's kind of he hadn't done nothing since what he had a thirty home run season. He's yeah. really fell off. I, batting under two hundred even. I appreciate the Mendoza <laughs> line reference though. That's it's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I think he I think he's he uh, is on. I, he's a guy who is not great behind the dish. He doesn't frame pitches. He, he's lazy. You know, he, he'd rather try to pick stuff out of the you know instead of block. Queen, so I don't know, man. He, he bats a buck ninety eight. I don't know. I don't know if you want that. Maybe in today's game, but yeah. So I'm not a big fan of his. But <laughs> but uh, their staff, if they're healthy or legit, their bullpen is always so deep, lights out. You know, in today's game where you want five innings out of your starter and get it to the pen, it's that's how they win, man. And and they're they're legit. All right, so the Yankees are like a 97 win projection. So, like, I, I think that's pretty unanimous. We're all on the same page there. So, talk a little bit yeah. about the, the Blue Jays and the Rays and tell me what you're going to happen with them because the Red Sox could be in the mix with those teams for a wild card. We're saying not necessarily, but tell me how yeah. you feel about them. The Blue Jays, the youth, man, the youth is just – they kind of remind me of the Braves back in the – like when they had the old guy, Terry Pendleton, kind of kind of bringing all these young studs up. And I know, Greg, you know what I'm talking about. And and the Blue Jays have what Biggio and, and uh, uh, help me out, Bichette, Bichette and, and, and Guerrero. And, and, and they just keep signing guys. And now they got Springer, I think. Right. They um, so they just got studs everywhere. Um, but again, it, it comes down to your staff. And, and you know, so. I like them. I think they're not an, an AL East contender. I think that they can maybe finish second. I think the race for second is, is well, probably still the Rays. Nah, I don't know, man. I, I think the, J- the Jays, if they play to their talent, man, they're there. They're not the Yankees' 97-win team, but, you know, look what the Braves did when they came out out of nowhere in 91, you know, and it just uh, – so they're talented, man. Um, I, I agree with you all 100% about the Rays. Uh, I think um, – I think their little run is over, you know, because they uh, they got rid of Morton, who is still filthy. What's he in his late thirties? I think isn't he or mid yeah. to late thirties? Yep. Just nasty stuff. It's a ninety-seven mile an hour sinker and <laughs> curveball. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yes, sir. And um, Snell. I mean, the most cash is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen out of a manager in the World Series last year. Oh God, yanking him. Dude, there are so many memes about Kevin Cash. It's not even out of control. <laughs> I, I'm not a Rays fan by any stretch of the imagination, but that was the most upset I've ever been watching a baseball game. I couldn't sit down. I, I was just, pacing back and forth. I couldn't believe it. I mean, okay, so I'm not going to get into the whole analytics crap. I, I believe in some of it. Some of it I don't. you got to manage by feel, too. I'm an old-school baseball guy. But you what, what was his pitch count? 78 or something? Ridiculous it, thing it, like that. It was seventies, low seventies, I think. Low seventies, seventy-two or something. And you're going to yank the dude when the next six guys were zero for six with six Ks off the dude. I mean, he did give up a bloop single over second base for yeah. the second hit of the game. Yeah, yeah. God forbid <laughs> someone <laughs> hit a you know, punch and Judy over the second base. You know? I mean, yeah. And, and Blake Snell was is nasty. I mean, he's a mid mid nineties guy with his filthy breaking stuff. Uh, so cash, I mean, you can't play in hypotheticals. Who knows what would have happened? But it was a terrible call to yank him, and everybody knows that. The crazy thing for me is, is like you're absolutely right. So Kevin Cash has to ride his horses because, like, just think if they'd have walked out there with like a Max Scherzer or somebody and been like, "We're taking you out of the game," he would have lost his mind. It's crazy. Scherzer, let, Scherzer let would it have be your you. guy. Yeah. 
Scherzer would not have given the ball to him. He said he would have just looked at him and said, "You need to about face and go back to the dug- go back to the dugout." Well, I could. And see, some guys are like that. I could see Blake Neal's or Blake Snell's lips, and he was not praying when they took him off. Remember? Uh, no, 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 he was not. And then there's, I think I've seen a meme too about him mouthing what he said, like <laughs> "You've got to be effing serious" or something. Yeah, <laughs> of course. To that, that's the polite but way to put it. That's the polite way to put it. But there are some guys that. And th- okay, so here's a perfect example. I don't know if you remember 03 with Grady Little and Pedro Martinez. Grady Little should have exercised. I mean, he was the manager back then. He should have yanked the damn ball in hindsight from Pedro. But but Pedro said, "Get turn." He said, "I got this." But you've got to make it his decision. Pedro's velocity was at 98 that game in the first few innings, and then he was 91, 92 in the seventh, eighth inning. And so now that's on a manager to get your guy out of there. But Snell, his stuff was still lights out. He was mowing guys down. And like you said, Chad, oh, my God, a bloop single off the, you know, the neck of the bat. I mean, nobody was getting good wood on him. And he just looked at his little book of analytics and said, well, you got to go. And we all know the rest. And, and that's what upsets me about baseball these days is that it's too analytically driven. There's got to be a mix, um, a hybrid going on. And, and, and that's my opinion on it, man. So. Right, so it bothered just, me too. So give me uh, the team, one or two teams this year, whether it's AL East or anywhere throughout baseball. Give me a couple teams that you feel like can make a serious threat. You know, not the Dodgers, not the Yankees, not the high payroll teams, but give me like somebody that you're expecting to really make a push this year. This might be a little generic, but I, I mean, I want to say the White Sox. I mean, I, I know they're expected to. But they're still the White Sox. I knew he was. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that's we thought you were a White Sox fan. Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So you had the Indians guys and uh, and, and Twins guys lined up, but the pale hose. But I mean, they've done it the right way, and they got one of the one of the, the Red Sox studs, a guy named Michael Kopik, who throws in the low one hundreds, um, in the Chris Sale deal. Um, I think that they're they're legit. Um, I'd like to see the Angels if they can get an arm or two. Then you know. What do you think about Larusa coming back and managing that young White Sox team? You think it's a good fit? And also to add to that, they're they're a ninety-two Vegas over/under on the for wins the Sox, yeah, for the White Sox. Okay. Are they? They're that high, huh? Okay, so you all are kind of looking for more of a under under the radar type. Well, no, no. Um, I mean, but not everybody's thinking that. That could be really off. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what I mean, you think about Larusa, and tell us if you how many wins you think White Sox might get. Uh, first of all, I respect the hell out of Tony Larusa. Old school. I mean, smart, a mix. He knows how, but it just depends how these new guys like. How, like, it's just a new generation of of attitudes and and bat flippers and yeah. and nineteen gold chain wearing dudes and not running, <laughs> not running out ground balls. And I don't know if that shit's gonna fly with Larusa, right. or if he's flexible enough to meet these guys in the middle. Right. So. As a baseball man, there's never been a greater baseball mind than Larusa or a manager. He's got the hardware to prove it. Right. Manager of the years, World Series trophies. But this is a different age we live in, fellas. You know, and it's it's guys that are down nine to two in the ninth inning and hit a solo shot and sit there and watch it and dance around the bags. Like, oh well, congratulations, you're now down nine three with two outs in the ninth. So I don't know how that shit's going to go over with Larusa or or but I think that he's done enough in the game to command respect so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt cuz he's Tony Larusa. I think it's a fair answer. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's fine. All right, can, can I guess I kind of straddled the fence a little bit. I apologize that, about that's that. Okay. So I'm going to go I'm going to I'm going to go out there and say Larusa's going to 
going to get them together and they're going to win. Over over yeah. under 92 wins. I'm going over. Okay. All right. So that's a little bold g- g- statement. I no, I think the I think the division they're in is prime for them to do just that. that. So that's, all, right, all right, give me somebody that's out of the my NL. main reason. Give me somebody out the of the AL, NL. Yeah. Give me NL. Oh boy. Um he don't watch NL baseball. That's what this is. I I, I do. I do. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just like you I mean, I'm not going to say the Pirates or the uh, I mean, they stink. <laughs> I mean, Don't you say the man. No. We'd kick you off it's the show like, if you said the Pirates. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I like uh, – I mean, the cards, every year people count them out and they're there because their organization is so legit from top to bottom, the way they coach and their fans and their the way they play the game. And they're never the most talented team. But they're all they're always there. Um, you know, I, I – God. I want to say – you know, is it an even year, the Giants? No, it's an odd year. So, no, I'm not going to say the Giants. <laughs> I think that ship has you know, sailed. That ship, that ship sailed in 14 anyways. Um, I mean, the, I think the, they're top-heavy in the NL. Yeah, they are. You know, I don't I don't see a lot of surprise. I mean, I don't see anybody in the NL West coming out of the – you know, I, the Giants don't scare anybody. The D-backs, I don't. I mean, Bumgarner was a big disappointment, I think. Um I think we take the Padres really, is the best Padres. second team. Well, yeah, I okay, you're right. I mean, they got they're the they're kind of like the Blue Jays of the NL. I, I look at it like that. Maybe a little more talented because they've they've made some additions. Uh, Tatis is the real deal, obviously. You know, I mean, those guys are legit. Hosmer, Man, you know? he's three hundred and forty yeah. mil. Uh, yeah, legit. We didn't talk about that <laughs> earlier. What fourteen years? Fourteen, How much? fourteen over three forty. I don't. I'm not a math major, so yeah. I don't. I don't I struggle with anything plus and that doesn't have to do with addition. All right, how, how many ever gold chains you said? We're going to add a few. <laughs> yeah, let's add a few of those. <laughs> 24K. Those guys can play, though, man, and Machado. Yeah. See, Machado, though, I got a personal issue with, with the Pedroia thing, spiking him. Okay, I got you. Uh, a few years ago. So I'm not – I'm on record saying I, I'm not a Machado guy. I don't like, you know, I loved when Kale or Sale Kate him to end the series in 18 because he just, I don't like playing. I, I respect these guys' talent immensely. They're immensely talented, but, you know, run, run, run ground balls out, man. All right. So let me, I, I got two questions we just want to wrap up with. So, one, just because yeah, we're talking about the Padres here and we're talking about a deal <laughs> like that. So, what are your thoughts on, Major League Baseball Club signing these guys to these ten year plus deals. Is that a smart decision to lock them up while they're young or they are they gonna regret it later? Like what are your thoughts if you if you were in that position, how would you approach that? I would lock these guys up when they're young. I I give it a thumbs up. Um giving David Price seven years at two thirty million or whatever it was at age thirty, horrible. Um give <laughs> You know, I mean, and we can see hindsight now, but it's kind of compare. It's a little bit of a comparison. What's Tatis? 21, maybe 22. If that, yeah. 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 If that, I mean, so yeah, absolutely. A guy like that, lock him up. Um, The Sox locked up, you know, bogey um, gave him a big deal to at at a young age. He's got an opt out contract. So I'm, I just see these guys tail off so much of the, and when they get to their, their thirties that I think it becomes a huge burden on clubs. Um, so if a guy is 21, 22, 23, and, and he, you know, you want to lock him up, you're not going to take a chance on letting a guy like Tatis test the waters for, for lack of a bit. You know what I mean? Right. 
So I, I agree with you, but I, I gotta. I'm excited as a Braves fan because Acuna. Listen, and- yeah, listen, listen to the difference here. So T- Tatis got 14 years for 340. Acuna and Albies combined are 19 years of control for 169 mil. It's unreal, unbelievable. So fire that! I remember. Agent. <laughs> I remember when Acuna, yeah, no shit. I remember when Acuna signed like twenty or seven years for. Like I don't million, know what it was. I was down in yeah. Atlanta. I was in Atlanta when he signed, and then he immediately went into the team shop and started buying all kinds of jerseys and shit because he was like, "I'm spending my yeah. money. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm rich. He's making ten million a year. He could be making thirty. The guy's a top five player in the game. Uh, we you know, cannot, so we cannot let Acuna yeah. hear this podcast. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Earmuffs, yeah. earmuffs. Ear yeah, earmuffs, earmuffs. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Vaughn <laughs> and, and and Albies too, man. He's a stud. He's a stud. And uh, well, what's his name? Your shortstop from Vandy, um, number one pick overall a few years ago. I, why am I forgetting his name? Dansby. Um, Dansby. Car, uh, yeah, Dansby Carlos Dansby. Wrong sport. Yeah. But Dansby went to Vandy, I think. Yeah, he was number one pick. Is he still there? Yeah, he's still shortstop. Yeah, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all trying to but y'all are good, Greg. I mean, I the yeah, Dodgers, Braves, the usual suspects in the NL. Yeah, I think would so like too. you like you said, Padres too, though, with all that talent. Mm. Gotta be able to pitch, though. That's yeah. the thing. All right, man. I'll, I wanna I wanna bring it back just since you're a Red Sox fan. My my favorite yeah. question to ask people is go back yeah. in time to 2004, the the most amazing postseason ah. experience I ever saw. Like, I'm not a Red Sox fan. And I was emotional watching it because it was unbelievable. It's not even it's not even believable enough to be like a Hollywood movie. So take me through the ALCS and, and what were your thoughts yeah. watching that and, and how good did it feel to finally get that World Series as a Red Sox fan? So you don't like Jimmy Glad, I'll gladly take Screw you through Jimmy it. And I won't I won't I won't go the long version, but um so I'm forty seven years old, so I was twelve or thirteen in eighty six. And the, the that was just devastating. And you guys know how it is with young kids and you love your teams and you live and die with them. Mm-hmm. I, my dad let me stay home from school the entire week. I just holed up in my room and cried and cried <laughs> and cried. And I didn't understand. And I was like, why God and all this stuff and got over it. But so I've been through all the heartache of, you know, Boone and, and always getting our butts kicked by the A's with Dave Stewart and Welch and all those guys. when we had good Red Sox teams. And then, and then in 03, we were right there. And then Boone hit the shot in the bottom of the 11th to beat us. So, and then my family is Boston generational. So they, my dad went through 78 with Bucky Dent and 75 with Fisk and losing to the Reds and not having Jim Rice in the series. So what I'm saying is there was so much heartbreak in, in New England and, and on the fans worldwide that when it happened, I was talking to a buddy about it today, going into the bottom of the ninth on, we're down three games to nothing, four to three in the bottom of the ninth to the greatest closer that ever played, that ever pitched. And I shut the damn TV off at the commercial break. <laughs> and I was drinking. I, I Like I said, I quit drinking years ago, but I was drinking. I was drunk, drunk, drunk. And I'm like, I can't watch this. I cannot watch the Yanks celebrate on, on our field anymore. And it was just disgusting. And something inside me said, just turn the damn thing back on. These weird things started happening. Mariona doesn't walk people. Or he walked Millar. Well, uh, Dave Roberts comes in, swipes that bag by – that you know and if you and if, and if you look at 
you know, Posada's, you know, great, great throw. So he's on second. Billy Miller, who's been the only guy ever to own Mariano Rivera, singles up the middle. And all of a sudden it's 4-4. And I'm getting excited thinking about it now. And I'm like, oh, my God, something weird's going on. And then something tells me, calm down. You're going to get your heart broken because it always happens this way. Conditioned. <laughs> Fast forward to the bottom of 13 or whatever it was. And uh, Quantrill's on the mound. Ortiz hits a shot. Joe Buck says, Ortiz to deep right field. Jeff, back goes Sheffield. We'll see you later tonight because the game had gone past midnight. And we're just going crazy at the bar this time. I was in Spokane, Washington, big Gonzaga fan. But there are Sox fans everywhere. And uh, and so woke up the next morning, reality hit. We're still down three to one. <laughs> we're like, oh, shit. Well, that was fun last night. <laughs> Same thing happens. We're down four. We're down four, two, I think. Ortiz hits a solo shot in the eighth in game five. Uh, we push we push one across on a Veritech sack fly in the ninth, and we're like, oh my God, it's happening again. So we're and we're, and we're out drinking, having fun with the guys. And uh Ortiz hit that little bloop single. Damon rounds third, and he says, You can keep running to New York because we got game six. And right there, I don't want to say I knew we were gonna win, but I knew that we had a real shot. And uh, it was amazing. And then Schilling had the ankle stuff going on and had been just bombed earlier in this in the series. And, I, and I'll never forget Joe Buck state, you know, as a, like a scene from the natural. Schilling climbs the mound at Yankee Stadium to take on this Yankee lineup and his blood seeping out of his sock and he can barely walk and he shoved it up their ass for seven innings. And it was <laughs> the greatest thing ever, <laughs> you know, and uh, and, and it was three, three. And we'd won three in a row, you know, and smart ass Dan Shaughnessy's talking his smack, you know, the Boston Globe and saying they'll they'll blow it. They'll blow it. They'll blow it like they always do. And and uh, and Damon hit the shot and hit the grand slam. And, and we were up big and I knew it, man. And it was the besides my two children being born was the greatest moment of my life. Hands down. The greatest moment of my life was not when we won the World Series. I'd played at the same school that Keith Folk came from, Lewis Clark State College in, in Idaho, a couple of years after Keith was there. But when we beat the Yankees in game seven of the 2004 ALCS, besides the birth of my children, was the greatest moment of my life, hands down. And it was just, I can't even explain it. Man, right there. If you can't get excited about baseball just from listening Whew. to that, I can't help you. And I understand it 100%. Just, like, y'all yeah. swept the Cardinals. That didn't matter. You, yeah. all, you got off your back by coming yeah. back and doing It the, was destiny. Uh, yeah, it was destined by that. We went right through them. They had a good squad. You know, I mean, Pujols was in his prime. They, you know, Jeff Soupin was, a, you know, they, they had good guys, man. Carpenter, I think, was, you know. It didn't matter. Uh, y'all were already a team uh, of destiny by that point. That was it was done deal, and uh, there was there were some odd moments like why they why Tito brought Pedro in. I, I never understood that in, in in Game Seven when we were up big, the Sox were up big, and he brought Pedro in because that riled up you know fifty five thousand nuts in the Bronx screaming "Who's your daddy?" and all this stuff, and <laughs> you know you know and, and pay, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was exciting, and 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 I always think about it. like I tell my Yankee buddies, I'm like. It's so cool because simultaneously the Red Sox were involved, put the greatest comeback in the history of sports. And at the same time, <laughs> he all had the biggest choke job in the history of the world all in one time. And it's just the greatest thing ever because they're our rivals. We can't stand them. And all they want to do is say, well, their comeback is, well, we have 27 rings. And I say, well, 26 of them were from another century. Get with the, you know, just there get you in go. this century. You got to live in the here and the now. 
and the Sox, and, and you know, in 07 is my favorite Sox team because that cemented that we were, we were for real. It wasn't a walk. It wasn't a one-off in 04. Um, you know, I love Josh Beckett, man. That dude is just, he was my guy, Josh Beckett. He was and Pedro's my favorite, but, but Beckett. Wow. And so that cemented the Sox as we're here to stay, you know, and then 13 and 18. And, and so it's been quite the century. Yeah. And I'm happy for my family, the older generation and people in this kind of on a serious note on uh, people throughout New England and, and, and generations of Red Sox fans that have literally had the most disgusting game seven losses you can, you know, imagine. I mean, just <laughs> heartbreak. Now so they get that now. <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit, a little entitled now. I don't like it, but it is what it is. That's now. okay. You don't sound like an entitled Yankees fan, so I'll give you that. And and, nope. <laughs> and, and and with all that being said, there was no Yankees fan to be found that wanted to come and talk to you tonight. But we appreciate you coming on the show, man. We, yeah. we appreciate the insight. And anytime someone wants to relive those uh, those magical moments from the Red Sox, I get a little bit of chills just listening to it, man. So we Absolutely, appreciate you sharing. Man. And uh, I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping you guys bounce back because – I'm not a Red Sox fan by any means, but I will pull gotcha. for them more before I will the Yankees. I, I think just real quick before I go, I think that baseball is better when the Yanks and Sox are are, are viable and going at it. Hell you yes. Know, I think it's just better for the game, more viewership. It's just better for everybody. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, good show, man. Yeah. Really hey, it. we won't be strangers, man. We'll get you back down the road, okay? Good, good. Glad to hear it. Okay. All right. You guys take care. Oh, almost another show in the books, fellas. You know, we had Bo on the show. Bo has a great backstory, but we got to hear about his baseball fandom. And then Biggie, you and him talked off the mic about the Patriots before I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I feel like I they, they could have talked. That's friend. They, they could have talked all night. I had, to, I had to end the thing, man. Like, I love you, Bo, but I'm sorry. You and Biggie were going to talk till midnight. And I can't handle that. That's probably midnight mountain time, too. But, you know, that being said, we had a fun time with the show. You know, we're, we're in a weird place with sports. We don't have a lot going on right now because, let's be honest, NBA is not that interesting. But let's wrap up with this. It's the 20, is it the 25th anniversary? 25th. 25 years. 25 years since what happened? Somebody learned to putt. <laughs> oh, no. Happy <laughs> learned to putt. Oh, rest in peace, Chubbs. Yeah. Happy Gilmore, 25 years. And if you saw the rounds on social media, Shooter McGavin made an appearance today. Adam Sandler was out there. Well, you, you had Adam. He did the, uh, he did the happy the, drive. The drive and yeah. then uh, Shooter came back with his own video of him showing, how, showing him how to putt once I again. Showing him how to putt and then you know, telling him to meet me on the ninth green. And he even <laughs> did his gun there. <laughs> yeah, with the finger, the yeah. finger bang. Yeah. Can I say finger bang? Yeah, finger okay? bang. He finger We're bang. explicit. You can say finger bang how many <laughs> times you want. Finger so, bang, finger bang. So my, my, my question is, and we've done um, movie polls. We did a movie bracket before on sports movies, and Happy Gilmore held its own, did it not? Absolutely. Like, was it Elite Eight, I think? Uh, it was at least Sweet 16, if not Elite Eight. I think it was Elite Eight. I mean, this was crazy with thousands of votes out there. And, and you know, golf is not our forte by any means. But, my God, does Happy Gilmore not hold great. up over time? No, it does. It's one of those movies anytime so, it's on TV, you watch it. Two things I still think about to this day, and I'm not saying they're the best two moments of the movie, but they're ingrained in my brain. It's just part of you. Is the dude driving around on the Zamboni uh, singing My Endless Love? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. My 
endless love. So I ain't the only one, right? That oh. and then uh, the dude with the nail in his head. Yes, the Jaws from uh, the James Bond movies, yes. right? So my wife always laughs out loud audibly when the Zamboni scene's on. Yeah. Just when it's the, the spotlight of the guy singing it. And then uh, let's be honest, too. Like for people that are sitcom fans, if you ever watch Modern Family, the the wife from Modern Family, that's the yep. the, the yep. PR chick from uh, Happy Gilmore. Is there any is there any moments for you guys that stand out like other than those two that's like that sticks out to you? There, there's a lot. So there's just, I, just pick a couple. I, I'm gonna give you a couple. So for one, uh, tap tap taparoo yeah. is something right. I've probably said tap, a million tap, times tap, in my Eddie. life. I got another one, but I'm gonna let Biggie uh, see if so, he does. So that that's one. And, and for whatever reason, Ben Stiller in that movie oh, yeah. as the the caregiver, you either the go to sleep home. or we'll put you to sleep, Grandma. Yeah, like it was great. <laughs> you <laughs> could trouble me for a glass. What is it? A nice warm glass. Shut the hell, shut the hell up. up. <laughs> uh, so that that was one. And, and then my last one is uh, just uh, anything with Chubbs when he's like trying to teach him how to putt, and he's like holding him and he's hugging him, and he's like, "Get off of me!" You know that yeah. that stuff's just great. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple different ones. The one that sticks out the most that everyone goes back to is the fight with Bob Barker. Oh, oh yeah. Legendary. Price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> Those hey. left jabs from Bob Barker, oh, man. That's after he Undertaker you yeah. know, chokes him. You know, he, that's great. Oh, yeah. He just reaches up and goozles him. I like it when he gets done and Bob Barker's so reserved. Knocks him out, starts to walk away, turns around, bitch. <laughs> now you're done, bitch. Now oh. you're done. <laughs> you got another one? Well, that one, and uh, when he's taking his grandma to see Ben Stiller, the, uh, get me out of here. Oh, the other lady. <laughs> Mr. 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 Help me, Mr. Mr. the air conditioner uh, out the window. <laughs> uh, I got one more. Right, the me. baseball man in me was where... He jumps in front of the batting cages and he's taking his uh, fastballs off his chest. What are you doing, stupid? I'm toughing enough for next year's hockey season. Uh, and then he, he's sitting there hitting him, hit him off the chest. The kid sees him do, do it. He gets in there <laughs> and it hits him. <laughs> ah, one time. Ah, he is down. <laughs> that was great for me. Uh, so what what uh, minor league hockey records does Happy Gilmore have? What was the fourth? Uh, Most ejections. Most maybe? ejections, and he's the only guy to ever try to kill someone with a skate. He tried to stab there somebody with a skate. There you go. I couldn't remember. <laughs> That's great. It's great. I have a question for you guys because there's so many movie quotes from that that we probably say daily, like Jackass. you said earlier. Chad, what is your favorite one, or what is the one that you remember the most, or you probably have like said the most? The the quote? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I there's mean, so many of them. So if I'm golfing with somebody and I, I sink a putt that I wouldn't normally sink, I do look at whoever I'm with and go, Chad learned to putt. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. So that's definitely one. And then uh, the other thing is anytime I'm stressed, I always say, just find your happy place. Just find your happy place. And it, there's so much truth to that. There is. And everything in life. I mean, this isn't just a comedy. This yes. is a life lesson. It is. Absolutely. I mean, how can you not like Happy Gilmore? I always liked, are you too good for your home? Answer me. Suck my white ass ball. Because <laughs> if you've golfed, you've had that feeling. Are you too good for your home? Just getting your home ball is great. It is so good. Because that applies in many facets. It is. Anything anything that doesn't work right, you can just look at it and go, what's wrong with you, ball? Uh, so 25 years in, do you feel old yet? Uh, as of today, I, I officially feel old. <laughs> so 
Happy Gilmore sports movie. We know it made our Elite Eight. It's great. It's got quotable moments, and it's Adam Sandler at his pinnacle, and I don't care what anybody says. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's that's good quality cinema right there. Meet me on the ninth at nine. Wear something nice. Wear something nice, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Sweeter than you. Shoot him again. No, that was Kingpin. I'm fucking uh, (laughs) screwing up things now. My bad. Anyway, this has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoy the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. We had a great time talking to our boy Bo, who came on and talked about the AL East, but mostly New England and uh, Red Sox fandom. And you know what? We got more time to kill. Next week, there's still no football. And we're still not ready for baseball. Are we going to have to talk about NBA next week? Mm, that's a possibility. Not a chance. <laughs> we're going to talk about the great, the goat shooter. That's it. The goat shooter. And then next week. Any, and if anybody else has the marbles to come on here, like we don't care if you just want to come on for two minutes and shoot your mouth off. We'll, we'll give you an opportunity. We won't come back at you too hard. We are your megaphone. There's so many keyboard warriors out there that's like want to give one line. Oh, you really don't know sports. Come on the show. Yeah. Let's talk about it. We'll see who knows sports. Yes. But guess what? Then we hear the crickets and no one comes on the show. We are not that bad of people. We want to talk to you guys. Like We want to get the word out. We want you to spread the word. We love our fans. We love fans of all across the nation. Fair enough. Can't add anything to that. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. And Mr. Brown says, get your ass off the keyboard and come on the show and tell us how you really feel. We'll see you next week, everybody.